Let me take a look here. Mike Broomhead, do you own a jacket? Uh, I do. I do own. You know what? Here's what I did that was silly, Jamie. I bought a jacket. I had two jackets made when I was in Italy. Oh, nice. Yeah, very nice leather jackets. But I live in Arizona, so I don't usually get to wear them. Well, this morning would have been a really good opportunity. It would have been. Did you? No, I didn't because I wasn't expecting it. By the time I walked out of the house, it's a short walk from my house to the car and from the car to the building, so I didn't bother. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, what about you? Oh, I have my jacket. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. I keep it in my car, actually, because I get into my car in the garage. Big uh, big weekend planned for you? Um, Not really. No, I, I'm hoping not. Good. Birthday yeah. celebration with a family member. That's that, about it. That's awesome. And I told you, you uh, last week you should do nothing for a weekend. So I hope this weekend I wish you nothing. Uh, thank you. That <laughs> You could not wish me something nicer. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Uh, coming up at 835, so about 20 minutes from right now, we are going to talk with Congressman Juan Siscomani from Southern Arizona. A unique perspective on the border after a border visit that they just took. Republicans taking a lot of heat, especially in the Senate, for not getting the Senate bill moved forward to debate. And so Republicans are taking a lot of heat on the border. I'm going to talk to him about that and what he's seen in that bill, what they can do in the House. But I want to talk to him about the border because he has a unique perspective. Congressman Siscomani is a natural naturalized citizen. He has been on both sides of this issue. He has been an immigrant to this country. He has gone through the immigration and naturalization process. He has become a citizen of this country. So I'm going to talk to him about that process and what we can do comprehensively. Yes, the border security issue and others that happens at 835. We start this morning with the DOJ report. Um, I have to tell you, uh, at the very outset of this, I have stayed away from this issue with President Biden for a reason. Uh, I have respect for the presidency. I'm not a fan of this president's policies. I've been very clear about that. But I still think the office of the presidency is a sacred office. I think it is something it's the highest, in my opinion, the highest office in the world politically. And when um, the media and some people on the left side of the aisle went after Donald Trump during his presidency, trying to get him eliminated from the presidency with the 25th Amendment, it was an absolute abuse of the 25th Amendment. And I thought it was disgusting that when we saw MSNBC, specifically Morning Joe, spend over a week bringing on mental health specialists who had never examined the president of the United States, saying that he was unfit for the office, and this is why it sent the wrong message to our enemies. It sent the wrong message to the world. It was a national security issue. The, the um, I don't know what to call them with the president, our current president. When President Biden seemed to falter with things and be forgetful, and, you know, there's some of it's funny. I mean, I have a, I laugh at the most horrible things in my family, so I don't feel guilty about laughing about things when they happen at other people. I don't mean it as an insult. It's just the, you know, that's that kind of defense mechanism. But when the Department of Justice, this president's Department of Justice does an investigation, and they say that he is forgetful. And um, they say he willfully kept documents. But the report also says, and I'm going to read the quote, that he might come across to a jury as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. Now, this is what the DOJ report says. That is a national security issue, even in perception. The president tried to defend himself yesterday, seemed to have some memory issues yesterday. 
What does this mean? Now, there's going to be a clamoring for the 25th Amendment. And for those of you that don't understand how that part of the 25th Amendment works, it's a mechanism. We have a line of succession in uh, succession in our country, a president to vice president, vice president to speaker of the House and on down the line if something were to happen. And unfortunately, in our in our history, we know that presidents have died in office and the vice president has taken over. But what if a president, and this is why this is applicable, is what if a president's incapacitated? Now, this is a horrible thing to think of, a, a, a physical illness, an injury because of an attack, whatever it is, where they haven't lost their life, but they are not able to do the office of the presidency. There's a mechanism in place for the cabinet to vote to take away the power of the presidency, and then it is given to the next in line, which would be the vice president. The president has, I believe the time limit is two weeks to then show that he or she has the ability ability to the take the over the office again and then the they can then restore the power of the presidency back to the president that's the what the 25th amendment is there are now clamorings to, to use the 25th amendment to take this president out of office the issue for me is still a national security issue i'm not a fan of this president's policies we're going to talk more about the border today and the failings there um, I, I think he's got an abysmal uh, policy there, more on the economy, the policies on energy and how damaging it's going to be in other sectors. But those are policy issues. But when you've got the Department of Justice doing an investigation, now they said he willfully kept documents. So there's no doubt that that happened. And I'm going to tell for those of you that haven't heard this rant, I have some friends that have had the highest level of security clearance that you can. And so they've had access to classified documents. I just had this conversation about something different in a different light. I had nothing to do with President Biden or President Trump and the document scandals or anything else. It was specifically about classified documents. And here's how it works. You get documents put into a room called a SCIF, and classified documents are kept in a SCIF, and that's an acronym. You get an, a notice that there are documents for you to read in the SCIF. So you're not allowed to take recording devices in. You can't take your phone in. You can't do anything to record. You go into that room, and just because you have access to the SCIF with your security clearance doesn't mean you can just go in there like you're going to the library and check out a file and see what's going on. You read the documents that are specific to you. You, you do whatever you have to do. You can't take the documents out digitally or physically, and then you return. So I know people that have been in law enforcement and have been in high places that have security clearances. You get out of your bed in the middle of the night if it's a document you have to read immediately and you drive to the skiff and you read the documents. You, you don't have them emailed to you. You certainly don't take them home. It was the Hillary Clinton scandal when she was Secretary of State where the FBI said, yes, she definitely broke the law, but she broke the law, but we don't have a reasonable expectation of prosecution or of conviction. That's exactly Exactly what they said about the president. He broke the law. He willfully kept documents. This goes back to his time in the United States Senate. That's what's the important identifier here. A president of the United States, as mobile as they are, is almost like they are a mobile skiff. Let's put it that way. Access to documents at any time while they're president, maybe even the vice presidency. After your time in office, this is where the president and the former president and others have gotten themselves into trouble having documents they weren't supposed to have. This president had documents at multiple locations in garages and boxes um, going back to his travels in the 1970s, which were classified. And so there is enough evidence there to say he broke the law. Now, whether he should be prosecuted or not, that's, again, 
what the DOJ said is we don't have a reasonable expectation that he is going to get convicted. The reason for this is a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. This is going to be a big part of our topic this morning. And the reason it's going to be a big part of our topic this morning is what does this do for his reelection chances? Does this mean we keep hearing rumors and there are many people in important places that have been right about elections where most of us have been wrong that have said they still don't believe he's going to be the nominee for the Democrats, that it will be someone else. Is it going to be Gavin Newsom of California? We've heard about the former first lady, Michelle Obama, and who knows, but Is this now going down that road? The American people have stated recently in a poll that they believe when it comes to mental capacity and ability to do the job, Donald Trump has a big lead over Joe Biden in that category. What will this do to that? Because the American people and the world, for that matter, you're talking about what's happening in the Middle East. There is a lot more tension in the Middle East than there has been before. It is what Israel is doing uh, against Hamas, but it's also Hezbollah's involvement. We know about the Iranians and their involvement, and now there's been more attacks on Iranian assets. We know the Houthis and the attacks in Yemen that we have taken on with the Brits uh, in order to try to send a message to the Houthis to stop interrupting commerce in the Red Sea. Now look at Ukraine in Russia and what's happening in that region. We do know that the Chinese are backing the Russians. There is an alliance with North Korea and the Chinese. So you've got that kind of axis, what we would call the axis of evil, but there is an axis there with the Chinese, the Russians, the Iranians, and the North Koreans. What does this mean? And diplomacy and international, um, you know, kind of um, relations. And what does this mean when these other nations are dealing with the U.S.? That's a big question for all Americans, Republicans and Democrats. There's an election side of this and what does it mean? And there's the practical side of what the world sees. And you're going to hear more of this as the show goes on. Coming up in a moment, Congressman Juan Siscomani joins me. We are going to talk border issues in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Happy Friday from the Mike Broomhead Show. We are continuing our conversation about the border. A lot of controversy about the Senate bill that was co-written by Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema and then died on arrival at the Senate. Never saw the Senate floor. A lot of complaints, including from the head of the Border Patrol Union and the Border Patrol Council, Brandon Judd, who was on this show. One of the people I turned to as an expert on the border for a multitude of reasons from Southern Arizona is Congressman Juan Siscomani. He joins us now. Congressman, welcome back. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Uh, let's let's dive into just a little bit of this. I want to just give you a little background. I had Senator Sinema on the show explaining what was in the bill and why she believed there were a lot of teeth in what they had constructed. I had Senate, uh, Congressman Biggs on that t- poked holes in saying what he believed were holes in this. And then Brandon Judd came on and said he supports this bill because there's enough good in it. Get rid of the bad. So he supported the bill and thought it should have gotten to the floor for debate. But you're the guy I turn to because you are a naturalized citizen. You've been on both sides of this issue. Where do you stand on this piece of legislation or a piece of legislation like it? Well, I I was clear on my statement there that I, I felt that this falls way short to what's necessary right now. This bill to me is more about managing the border crisis than actually stopping the border crisis on uh, an immediate and tough basis. I know that you and I have talked about the three bucket system that we 
that, that I kind of describe on the border. Immigration, uh, that's one. Uh, uh, border security is another one. Trade is another one as well. In this case, with this specific one on the border security side of things, we are way past the point of trying to manage this crisis. We have to stop it immediately. And this bill falls short of that there there's some merit to it and coming together and trying to find some consensus around this there, there are things that are good in it i can i can see that as well but the 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 bad outweighs the, the good on this bill uh, specifically when you look at the funding and when uh you you look at where some of this money is going and you have no money no new money for the wall at all we were just uh, at the border again yesterday border patrol once again describing how uh, finishing up the, the about 20, 30 miles of wall in the Tucson sector that still needs to get finished would make a huge impact. But there's no new money for that. However, there's over a billion dollars for migrant shelter and transportation services. So, again, the, the focus is not where it needs to be on stopping this instead of managing it. So then let me ask about the merits of what Brandon Judd said was that's why you take a bill like that to debate in the Senate, because then you can offer amendments like Senator Graham had said it needs to be a lot of amendments on this. If something like this getting into the Senate, is there a way, do you believe, I know it's not the chamber you're in, but is there a chance for them in the Senate to then to get rid of a lot of that or add in the things you're talking about? Or do you think there just has to be a brand new bill constructed and start from zero again? I believe that border security is to stand on its own, and we should consider what's happening there. We The House sent H.R. 2 over to the Senate in the summer of last year. That has all the the, the priorities on the border that we talked about. Uh, and codifying into law some of the things that the president has the discretion right now to take an option on, like, remain in Mexico and those kind of policies that would actually make a difference. The president can do that today, right now, but he won't. So H.R. 2 has a lot of that, has a lot of what this bill has on a standalone basis, but also doesn't include a lot of the things that, in my mind, sink the bill. So when you look at who opposed the bill over in the Senate, again, I'm not in that chamber, so I don't know the dynamics of what's going on there behind closed doors or anything, but you just got to look at the final vote, and it wasn't even close. And then when you look at the opposition of this, you got from Bernie Sanders all the way to the Freedom Caucus in the House. So it's got more than bipartisan support. It has bipartisan opposition for different reasons, different people. But in, in my mind, it needs a, needs a lot of work. And the other the other aspect of this that we I think you know people have talked about, maybe maybe Biggs mentioned this, is the the authority triggered at the five thousand encounters. Mm-hmm. Well, if if you can trigger something at five thousand, why not trigger it at zero? Why not stop this? That, that's my whole point. We're, we're way past the point of, of giving quotas on this. Uh, 5,000 a day, you know, uh, you do the math, what's, what's that a month and, and then a year as well. So we, we can't afford that anymore. We need some, some tough, immediate action on the, on the border security side of it. And yesterday, even when we, I, I hosted 13 members of Congress from around the country, took them over to the border. And the first panel that we talked to was a panel on trade commerce and, and tourism, because I, I wanted my colleagues to see how this border crisis is impacting uh, the, the economic side of things as well. And we had the Fresh Produce Association manufacturing represented there as well. And they're talking about how the economics of it is, is impacting the trade and commerce at the border also, which is another one of the buckets that we talk about. And then also on the environmental impact, that was another panel that mm-hmm. we had. So it's got a wide, wide uh, um, impact on the negative side here that without stopping this immediately, it's going to continue to get worse. 
I'm curious about this because I've talked to people about you and I know some of your background. You are in a unique situation of being a naturalized citizen. You have been through the immigration process. You know the flaws and the warts and all of this. Does Are you turned to in the House of Representatives an expert in this area? Are people asking your opinion? You live in southern Arizona. You grew up you know, an immigrant to this country. It would seem to me that you have a unique expertise. Does anybody come to you to rely on that expertise? Yeah, I've had a seat at the table at most of these conversations. Uh, first with Speaker McCarthy when he was there, I was very much involved in the HR2 bill that we talked about, specifically curving the asylum process um, of that. And now with, with uh, Speaker Johnson, the same thing. Uh, I was over in Texas with him. I was one of the members that got to speak at the press conference, and I, and I got to speak from my own experience uh, on this. Listen, I'll, I'll be the first to say, and I talked to the local news about this yesterday, too, when they asked me about the immigration system and, and what I think of it, I tell them openly it's broken. It, it took my family way too long, and even having all the right paperwork and everything there. The need for workers in this country is evident. We keep hearing that from the business community. No question in my mind that the immigration bucket of things that I talked about, work visas and, and so on, uh, that needs to be tackled as well. But, but we can't get there unless we, we close the security part of the border. Mm-hmm. The, right now, the Tucson sector is the number one sector in the entire country in terms of apprehensions, 180% increase. That we've seen in the last few months on this, and, and, the, and the largest uh, uh, loads of fentanyl are being captured in the Nogales port of entry. This is ground zero, the Tucson sector. So that's why I'm so adamant about this, and I'm not willing to take anything that that just kind of addresses the issue or doesn't get there the whole way. On the security side, we need to do something that deals with it on an immediate and tough basis. The last question is, did you did Senator Sinema reach out to you at any point during the process of writing that piece of legislation or have you talked to her since it died in the Senate? I haven't talked to her recently, but she did had a have a group of members from the House go see her over on the Senate side when this was in the, in the early stages of this. So she did reach out to some House members. We were clear on what needed to be in there and, and what we really couldn't couldn't live with and and she and i have taken several trips to the border as well so uh, i think we're in lockstep in terms of what what we want uh from this uh regarding the border but this bill just just didn't get there and i and i couldn't support it for all the reasons that that we just talked about and let's not forget that that biden right now could take action and, mm. and catch and release reinstate remain in mexico and the uh the, the exploitation of parole authority and, and and with his record of failing at this what this bill also did was gave Mayorkas a lot of discretion on how to apply all this. We can't give Mayorkas any discretion. We have to tell them exactly what to do and when to do it. Congressman, I always appreciate the time, and I hope when you're back, in, if you're up in the Valley, I'd love to have you come in studio with us. You got it. We'd love to, Mike. Thanks for keeping uh, your eye on this issue, too. All right, appreciate thanks. It. That is Congressman Juan Siscomani. Uh, in a moment, Gatos joins me, and it's our big Q poll question of the day. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, happy Friday, Gatos. Happy Friday. Yeah, he's not going to be the nominee. <laughs> there is no way Joe Biden can run there after last night. I know you're talk, you talked about it I today. Did. You're going to talk I about did. it next hour. 
He lost the election last night. He's not. I don't think he's going to run. That was one of the worst performances that he's had in a long time, and he has bad performances every day. But the the question I have is how do they how do they prop somebody up fast enough? And I don't mean prop in a bad way. It is not yeah. easy to cover fifty states for a national election, and you've got now ten months to do it. If you don't do it, then you're basically voting for uh, Kamala Harris because he's just he's not going to be able to do the job. He's not. He's it's sad, man. It, it really is. I mean, it's sad to watch a president who just he's just he's he's too old. He's going to if he wins, he'll be 86 by the end of his his term. If you think he's bad now, what do you think he's going to be like next year? Yeah. What do you think he's going to be like in three years? Yeah. I mean, so that's my cue because everybody, you know, we, we carried it live on KTAR last night. Bruce and I were just flabbergasted at yeah. how bad he was. And he he had memory problems during the press conference. He, he got everything wrong. OK, uh, how would you describe President Biden's mental acuity? Sharp as attack. Not as good as it used to be. Severely diminished. It's clear it's severely diminished. Mm. Right now it's seventy-one percent severely diminished. It's just he's 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 not the guy that he used to be. And yeah. there's if I'm the Democrats, I'm running somebody else out there because you're gonna get you're gonna get trounced by Donald Trump the, if this is the if this is the race. The DOJ report said that he might come across to a jury as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Uh, yeah, that is, that's not ooh. no. That's tough. Do you want that as your president? No. That's, okay, that's and then tough. do you So the next thing is do you want a laugh track for your president because that's Harris. Yeah. It's and and listen, you, you know me, I don't love Trump either. Yeah. But I mean, he's clearly and he he messes up all the time and mixes names up and but he but in mental acuity, I mean, he's still far and away. Could you imagine those two in a debate? Yeah, actually I could and <laughs> You know, I have a sense of humor, so I may want to I oh. might pay to pay-per-view to see that. It it'd be like a, it'd be like a gorilla beating up an ant. <laughs> All right, thanks Kados. I look forward to seeing you this afternoon. Thanks. The big Q poll question today is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers.